Hello and welcome to The Chambers. I'm your host, Tony Keats, and this is a podcast about municipal issues. Issues we all need to talk about. On this episode, we will be chatting with Don Hearn. Don is the Executive Director and CEO of the Municipal Assessment Agency. Have a listen to our conversation about property assessments and what MAA is all about. I would also like to apologize for the audio issues that we experienced that day due to microphone problems. So don't go anywhere. I'll be right back with Don to have that chat. Good morning, Don, and welcome to the Chambers. Thank you, Tony, for inviting me to your podcast. Uh, more than glad and happy to have, to have a chat with you today. It's good to have you on. Uh, this is my first time actually doing a live broadcast with, uh, with somebody in front of me. It's usually uh, on the phone or online. So um, thanks for coming on. Uh, Don, tell me about yourself. Tell me a little bit about who Don is. So uh, I'm the executive director and CEO with the Municipal Assessment Agency, a position that I've held for a year now. However, I've been involved with management with the agency since 2016. My background is in real estate appraisal assessment. I've worked pretty much every position within that field within our agency from field worker to residential to commercial assessor for 15 years. And uh, then I went into the management side for, well, from then until I became the CEO. And Don, who is or what is the Municipal Assessment Agency? So the Municipal Assessment Agency is the legislative authority to complete assessments throughout the province for anybody that wants to charge a property tax system. The Assessment Act 2006 authorizes two groups to do assessments. The City of St. John's, who do their own assessments and have their own assessments departments, or the MAA. So other than the city of St. John's, if you require assessment services, you come to the MAA. So at this point, we service 230 communities throughout Newfoundland and Labrador. Right. That was one of my questions, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, were you mandated, um, you know, and uh, are you in the act? Do you have your own act, right? Yes, we have our own act. It's called the Assessment Act 2006, and that is what guides us and and it's a good it's good that we have that legislation because it separates us from municipalities and from the government and it's actually directs us on how we operate our job and we're independent and we're not it's not the we're not influenced by anybody else mm-hmm. we're influenced by that act and yeah. our whole mandate is to to provide assessment services as per the guidelines laid out in that act and how many municipalities you say you got right now uh, it's 230 i think uh, we just we're adding a couple of extra new ones, but as we speak, we're visiting right. a couple on the, on the uh, northern peninsula, or sorry, on the southern shore in, in Newfoundland. Uh-huh. We just started our newest clients are St. Joseph's and another um, uh, Mount Carmel. Right on, um, Don. Do um, you know we're 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 talking about regional government in Newfoundland and Labrador, yeah. <clears throat> and how do you think regional government is going to affect uh, municipal assessment agency like? You know, I, I know it's going to increase the workload. Uh, how do you see that, uh, if it do come in, in into place? Uh, I mean, I see it, I see regional government as a good policy and a good program. Uh, I truly believe that, and, and this is not for selfish reasons, but it's just from a personal reasons that all municipalities, all properties should be assessed and should pay a fair share. From an agency aspect, it, I don't... As long as we can get the initial work done and these set up and 
properties visited and data collected, I see it being a good thing for the agency. You know, we, we, we've already done some of the pre-work, not in reference to the fact that it was a regional government, but even before regional government. Our mandate is again to provide assessment services and market valuation. So we've even been collecting data and surrounding municipalities that are not assessed mm -hmm. because it does factor into market value and different things in neighboring communities. Right. Just because a proper and a community is not assessed doesn't mean that the data or the sales from that can't be used to help us in a neighboring community sure. where, where we have a similar market. So from that aspect, we've already we're already a little bit ahead of ourselves in in doing the market part of it. Yes, it's the picking up the data and different things that may be a challenge if the mandate is that we have to have it done in a certain period of time. Right on. Other than that, I see it as a good thing. Yes. I encourage it and I'm looking forward to it happening. Yeah. So what kind of resources do you add down to see that, you know, to see other communities come on or, you know, make it easier for yourself to really? Well, that, that's one of the challenges that we have right now and, and it's not unique to the MAA. Mm -hmm. Anybody out there, I'm sure, have heard of restaurants that can't get servers and different aspects like that. Yeah. Well, we're no different than that, uh, other than the fact that some of, we do need some specialized staff. We do need people that, that are trained and, uh, as appraisers or assessors. Uh, we have started training people ourselves and different things like that. So the biggest challenge we would have was getting the initial data on properties. Right now there's a couple of different ways that that can happen, that we can, there are new technologies, new uh, new ways of picking up initial data, such as aerial imagery that we can use. But still, once you capture those images, you still need uh, employees or physical people in chairs to, to document that data and measure it. So that would probably be the biggest challenge. Uh, we don't need educated praisers for, at that point. But it is a challenge to even get people to come in and do that basic type of work. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we pay a fairly, what I consider a reasonable salary, even though we're sure. we're bound by uh, union negotiated rates. But, mm -hmm. I mean, we, we pay, I think it's in excess of $45,000 for that type of job. Okay. And uh, people are not lined up at the door to no. come in. No. Uh, Dan, um, you're talking about employees. What's, what's the size of, of your staff now and, and what's the locations that that you're located in? So right now we we have, I believe, 58 positions. Uh, we do have 13 of those that are vacant that we're continuously trying to uh, to get to hire. Mm -hmm. We have three centralized locations, I would guess. We have an office in Cornwall. We have another main office in Gander and one in St. John's. In addition to that, we have a satellite or a sub-office in Clarenville at this moment. We have we don't have an office anymore in Marystown, but we have an employee that operates out of Marystown. Okay. Uh, the employee is a field staff and it was easier for her to work from her home. And basically, we had an office that nobody was using anyhow. So we don't have that. And we've kind of scaled back from our sub offices for that reason. Right now. So we have three main locations. Our corporate office is in St. John's. And, and again, one in Clarenville. Yeah. And those jobs you were talking about, the assessor jobs, what's the, what's the role? The, the main role of the assessor is to do a market analysis of all property sales and different aspects like to determine the assessed value of properties within municipalities. 
they are also then responsible for any maintenance that happens within the municipality. Mm -hmm. And by maintenance, I mean if we're requested, somebody builds a new shed or a new house or something between, between base dates, they're required then to assess that information and provide market value. Okay. And, and when would assessment be done? One of the legislations, or not one of the, 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 the legislation dictates the date that we do assessments. So mm -hmm. assessments work on what's called a base date. Okay. And the base date is January 1 of every year for the following tax year. For example, for 2023 notices that were mailed out in June, the base date is January 1, 2022. And what that means is that every property that we assess in Newfoundland has to be valued as of January 1, 2022. So the notices that we mailed in June, 200 and I believe 19,000 notices we mailed are all mm -hmm. valued as of the same day, January 1, 2022. Okay. Um, when we talk about assessments, what's the process from start to finish? So once, one of the criticisms I guess that we get is from people phoning in is that we've never, how could you value my property when you've never seen it? Well, the reality is we have seen it. We have seen everybody's property. We've been in everybody's property or we attempted to get in everybody's property. Once we pick up the data and the data that we have is, is correct, uh, we're ha we don't necessarily have the visit your property. Just all we need is the data so we can compare it to sales. So we, what we do then is we gather all the sales. Mm -hmm. uh, those sales are then analyzed. And when I analyze, I mean, they're looked at What's influencing value is, is, is the fact that you're on the water lot influencing value? Is it something to do with one street? And we do a, a detailed analysis of all sales to see how it fits in, in a market or where there's different neighborhoods. Then we compare everybody's house within that municipality to the neighborhoods that we develop based on that analysis. Mm -hmm. And that's where the assessment falls. And that's important because it's, it's not, we do, one of the main criteria is that we provide market value and uniformity. Now uniformity does not it does mean that similar houses should have similar assessments. Sure. But it's important to remember that similar houses in similar in, in same neighborhoods. It's not unusual to see two streets being in different neighborhoods. It's quite possible. And I give an example, there's a street in Cornerbrook that backs on a golf course. That's its own neighborhood. It'd be, un, it'd be unfair to compare the rest of the corner book to that street sure. because it sells for way much higher. Mm -hmm. uh, age, people are, one of the misconceptions is that I have an older home and why am I valued higher yes. than Again, it's based on what the market tells us. Yeah. So anybody that's familiar with Cobb Lane in Cornerbrook or Briggs or places like this that are now starting to see influx of, you know, of people coming from Ontario now. They're buying these older homes and they're paying exorbitant prices. Yeah, yeah. So yes, age and condition and yeah. everything makes a difference. Sure. But the reality is, is that the actual market drives the assessment. So one of the things that we like to say is, is that the municipal assessment agency and the assessors do not create the market value. The market value is created by the purchasers and sellers within the sure. community. Yeah, because I've seen the same thing in my community where you know, a, a ordinary house, $80,000 house, let's say, in, mm -hmm. in my community, would sell for a hundred and something thousand dollars. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, like, you know, the houses around it mm -hmm. would 
drive their value up. Exactly. Right? Because that house was sold for that value. So, you know, the premise is, well, if that person got 100-something, you should be able to get 100-something for your house. Right. And and that's and people say, well, that's maybe not true, but that's the way you as an individual work. So, for example, if that, that house sold for $100,000 yeah. and you go to sell yours, you're going to try to get 102. Yeah. Now, we don't hang on our weight on one sale. Yeah. Now, if that one, for example, that you just mentioned sold for 100 but three more just like it sold for eighty, well sure. eighty thousand dollars at the market value. Yeah, that one was an anomaly. Sure. But in most cases, that's how it works. So it's not us creating. We're just analyzing the sales. Mm-hmm. But it's important to analyze them because you don't want to lump everybody into one. Yeah. Because as I said earlier, there may be. Uh, I grew up in a small community where living on the water meant nothing, and water lots were a big issue. Exactly. But anybody familiar with Newfoundland and even cottage countries now. Water is a big deal. It is, yeah. So now, facing water, your access to water, your view of water, yeah. may, in some cases, double the value of your property. Yeah. So, so that's why you may you have a similar home that's in a subdivision. Yeah. But that water adds great. But it don't have that view. It don't right. have that location. It don't have. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And one of the misconceptions that we that that I hear a lot is that. We're values, we, we value properties based on the market in St. John's or the market mm. in Mount Pearl. And that's, that's not true. the farthest from truth you can get. Yeah. We look at, we collect every sale in the province. We have a great partnership with our municipalities who, who supply us with sales. You're, sure. you're, everybody is mandated to notify their local municipality mm-hmm. when they sell a property. Yeah. And that information is portrayed back to us. Just in case they're not registered sales, we have other meetings like that, yeah. that we collect all this data and we analyze it. So never is a value created based on what's happening in yes. Mount Pearl. Yeah, and that was one of the other questions is, you know, what's your relationship with, say, the towns or the managers? Because more than likely your assessors and your employees are dealing with managers or, or clerks mm-hmm. in those municipalities. So, you know, what, what kind of relationship or what kind of work goes on between the manager or the clerk and, and your assessors? Okay. Yeah, I think that we have a great relationship with, with the municipal staff. Uh, some of the municipal staff might disagree, but I think we mm-hmm. do. Uh, the municipal staff are very important to us and the councils are important. It's important that, to, in my opinion, it's very, very important that councils understand the assessment process. And not just from our aspect, from the responsibility of their staffing. Because their staff, staff within the municipality have to follow acts as well. Yes. Not only do they have to follow the guidelines of the Assessment Act, mm-hmm. they have to follow the guidelines of the Municipalities Act, which dictates how they do taxation. Uh, we rely heavily on the municipality. Uh, we are a uh, cost recover. We, co- we charge a fee for our service. Yeah. That fee can be tripled or doubled if we have to go in and find everything ourselves. So the municipal clerk will keep us notified of any name changes or sales within the property or a change of mailing address or anything like that. They notify of any improvements that happen in the the community, right down from a built a new deck, shed, new house, shingles, roof. And that's great because it it helps us maintain our files. Yes. Uh, One of the misconceptions, I shouldn't say it's misconceptions, is that municipalities do this so that they can get extra revenue. Yeah. But that's not necessarily true. It do, they can get extra revenue, but a lot of towns choose not to. Mm-hmm. Because now that we're in a one-year base state, that extra money is not so great. That's right. 
but it's a very, very important from the municipal assessment agency's aspect yeah. because we need our data as up to date as we can get. Yeah. So that when we're doing these market comparisons, we know that the data we have is correct. Yeah. We know that this guy has a shed. So if we're comparing a property that, that sold with a, a big garage to one that didn't have a garage and then all of a sudden we find out it had a garage that could cause yes. some issues. Yeah. So we rely heavily on the clerks yeah. and, and the towns are great. Mm -hmm. They're very uh, forthcoming and we try to reciprocate that. Anytime a town needs some information and I personally put myself out there for new town clerks and yeah. anybody can phone me any day and ask questions on how to do this and yeah. you know, it, it's, we're all there because at the end of the day, we're about getting the best information we can yeah, yeah. and also helping the towns where we can. That's right. I know I've had complaints come in from residents saying, like, you know, they're doing property improvements and all of a sudden they're getting nailed because they've done property improvements. Yeah. Their assessments are going up. Here's their neighbor doing nothing. Mm -hmm. And, and his assessment, you know, his, his value is because he's not doing anything or he's not doing nothing. You don't get reassessed. You don't do, you know, and they're saying, well, why am I getting ninged across the knuckles because I'm doing something, yeah. right? I'm bitter in my house. I said, yeah, but you got to understand, once you sell your house or you do something with your house, yeah. that's where you see the value. That's where you see the difference, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. And, and you know, it is reality. It's, it's, not, it's not false that you do up your house and, and you work more and then you pay more. Yeah. But that is the premise of it. Yeah. You know, and, and the services that you get are, are there. You know, it's true yeah. what you're saying, but it is the reality. It is the basis for the tax. It's yeah. no different from yeah. uh, you don't hear people complain when I make more income, I pay more taxes That's than right. my neighbor. You know, yeah. you also you also have the uh, luxury of having a, a better standard of living uh -huh. because you're making more money. Yeah, exactly. Um, when we're talking about assessments, we're talking about reassessments is the same thing. Yeah, right. they're, they're, that's all you're doing, you're assessing, yeah, yeah. like we just talked about, right? So years ago, back for anybody that's within the past, this is our third year on a one-year cycle. Yeah. So a reassessment, years ago we would hear the word reassessment and it was every three years. Yeah. But now, we are continuously doing a reassessment. Mm -hmm. We just mailed in June, we mailed our 2023 assessment notices. We are already halfway through preparing our 2024 reassessment yeah. and that's a brand new market. So you may see, if you, your property may have went up this year, it may go down next year, because now it's a continuous, re, continuously changing assessments every year, yeah. if the market indicates that. That's right. Um, what other services, Dan, besides assessments do the assessment agency do? Uh, we're, we have no mandate to do only that. Okay. There are other services that we've helped. Like we, we will provide certain amount of data through towns or different things if it's available. But we are not mandated to do anything but property assessments and consult with municipal. We have done some consulting work with municipalities for different issues. But outside of that, our main mandate and what we do is assessment. Yeah. So what's the big differences when we talk about, you know, a, a doing a property assessment, a residential or a commercial? Well, a com uh, the biggest difference is they're all done on market value. Everything is a market value assessment. However, there's different approaches with some commercials than there is with uh, residential. Mm -hmm. Most residential properties buy and sell as similar properties and comparable. And anybody that ever have an appraisal done for mortgage purposes, what we do for residential is the exact same thing. The biggest difference from an appraisal as opposed to assessment is an appraisal is done the day you ask for the appraisal. So it's up to date the day you've done it. Sure. But they do pretty much the same thing. An appraiser goes out, he reviews your house, 
He finds three or four or five comparables that he can to yours, and that's how he determine the back value. Mm -hmm. We do pretty much the same thing for our residential. However, in the commercials, there's a duck, there is a market approach. We do look at what properties buy and sell for. But as you know, commercials are vastly different. There's probably not a whole lot of the like and difference, and there's a whole lot. So most commercial properties that we assess buy and sell in what's called an income approach. So instead of looking, we will look at the building and the use of the building and different aspects like that. But any potential purchaser is looking at how much money I can make from that building. And not necessarily from a business, but from if I was to lease it. So if I was to lease this to you, I would get X number of dollars a square foot. And it's no different even if you're an owner-operator. Because yeah. if you're an owner-operator, you're going to look at, if I had to rent it, how much per square foot would I have to pay for it? So, so that's how you value it, based on the income flow of the property, of, mm -hmm. the, of the building, the physical building. Yes. And then there's a rate of capitalization applied to that, which is simply a rate that converts the income flow into current dollars. The, in, the capitalization rate is developed by looking at comparable sales. So that's how we come up with that rate. We look at the income, we, we look at properties that have sold, sure. we look at their income, and we compare that with, to their sale price, yeah. and that develops a market cap rate as applied to the income flows that we've established for the commercial properties. Mm -hmm. Some properties don't sell on income, so we do what's called a cost approach, a market-adjusted cost approach on those. Yeah. Those are properties like large industrials, churches, different types of properties that do not sell on income potential. So we will do a detailed cost analysis on those and then adjust accordingly based on what the market is telling us they're selling for. So a good example of that was when, the, when schools, when you see a school that's been decommissioned for lack of as a school, a functioning school, it's a valuable property. But most of the times when that school shuts down, its value depreciates drastically because what other use is there for a school? That's right. It's not a school anymore. It'll never be a school. So anybody buying is not looking at, they're looking at a major refit that's right. and a major adjustment. Yeah. So therefore, that's why the value drops. Right. Because now to market it, it's going to be, it's going to market as a, a warehouse at best or a shell building. Anybody, right. Even though it's a school, yes. the potential purchaser is looking at a shell building that I had to renovate to my yeah. suit my needs. Yeah. So until that renovation happens, mm -hmm. that school now has little or no value. That's right. So that would get reevaluated or yeah. reassessed when, yeah. when that's made into whatever it is. Made into whatever it is. So a lot of times you'll see that we, we have a school with a soul that was worth half a million dollars. Yeah. But on, on this reassessment, it's down to, might be down to 20000 Yeah. Because... That's all it's worth at this point. Yeah. Uh, Dan, you're new to the, pretty new to the CEO office, to, yes. to be an officer. Uh, but you've been with, you know, the association. The, the, 30 years. Yeah, yeah. So uh, what, what's the big difference that you've seen over 30 years, to be honest? Technology. Yeah. Technology has changed and, and you know, we always, I feel that the assessment agency always did a great job with the tools that they had available. But change is inevitable, and mm -hmm. change has helped us to be even more accurate and more professional, I guess. Like professional is not the correct word, but we are, we're able to do much better with a lot less, okay. thanks to technology. Yeah. You know, and, and it's a good thing. You know, I, 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 we embrace it. Sure. And that seems to be the major change. And I believe that 
the change in base date was a big thing. Yeah. Uh, the appeal now, the number of appeals that we get has changed. Reflected in that, mm-hmm. we've been very, very proactive on educating people. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, one of the one of the uh, misconceptions is is that we know how much tax the town wants to get, and we set the values accordingly. Not a fact. Uh, actually, I very seldom know. The only inf- only time I ever connect connect contact the municipality when we're doing a reassessment is for your tax rate for commercial properties. Mm-hmm. And the reason we do that is because it's built into the valuation as an expense for the owner. Other than that, we have no knowledge or want any knowledge of how much town money needs sure. or what their budgets are or anything like that. Yeah. What is the biggest miss? Exception, I think, is out there about MAA or what, what you guys do. I think the biggest misconception is the fact that a lot of people believe that, A, that we're, as I mentioned, we're, we're in consultation with the municipalities and we're setting the values to get X number of dollars. I think the fact that we've seen decreases over the past few years has kind of eliminated that myth. Sure. But the other one is, is that we as assessors dictate the value. That we create the value from our offices in St. John's or Gander or Cornwall. That's a big misconception. Yeah. The other big misconception is that how can you do an assessment if you if you don't reassess me if you don't come in my house? And I try to explain to people we have the data on your home. We know that you have a thousand square foot bungalow. We know the basement is finished. We know that you've replaced the side in the windows or whatever, or you didn't thanks to our partnership with the municipal clerks, we have all that information. So actually seeing your home does not really make a big difference as long as the data that we have on file is correct. Mm-hmm. And we do know that sometimes that that's not always possible. There's certain things go on that we don't see. That's why there's an appeal period. And at the end of the day, we want to make sure we got the correct data. Yeah. So you don't necessarily have to go in every time and visit a property. No. And if we did, well, the cost would be... Oh, yeah. It's, it's basically impossible. Yeah. You know, actually, Newfoundland probably does more property visits than anywhere else in the country because they use the technology and different things like that to do mass analysis. Yeah. yeah. And I, I, I believe that we probably do a more detail than some appraisals. Not that the appraisals are doing wrong, but they're, they, they don't always have the luxury of visiting all the sales or the right to go visit the sales. Okay. They are looking at sales from based on, on, on uh, different MLS listings and doing their comparisons and doing a great job at it. Yeah, but yeah. we can actually have the authority to go visit those sales if we want sure, to, sure. to make sure that what we're comparing you to is yeah. comparable. Yeah. Dan, you, uh, MAA got a board. Yes. Uh, what do it consist of? It consists of, I think it's 10 now, six elected, 12 people. Yeah. It's 12, 10, 10 elected, sorry for me. We have six elected officials, and those are uh, members of councils. We have two uh, members that are appointed by uh, PMA, which is Professional Municipal Administrators, and one that's appointed by MNL, which mm-hmm. is uh, Municipalities of Newfoundland and Labrador. Okay. And we have two citizens reps that are appointed by the province. So the whole point of it is, is to look out for the interests of, of, of the municipalities. Or break, so that municipalities understand what the board and they're directing us as to how we operate in different aspects like that and those organizations are keeping that in check 
and then the citizens represents are representing those citizens out there to make sure that everything goes on at the board, that everybody is covered and everybody's interest is covered, mm -hmm. and that we operate under the guidance of the act sure. and efficiently. And the the elected officials' purpose is not here to make sure that they are getting assessments that they want. It's to make sure that we're doing it efficiently and and, and as cost saving as we can. Because ultimately, the fee that runs that, that we operate under is paid by municipalities. Yes. So it's not about you know the board doesn't influence anything to valuation. Mm -hmm. They have we never speak evaluation. We only look at fee that we charge, and they're making sure that they're getting the service that they're paying for. Right. Now. Uh, Dan, before we go, um, is there anything that you would like for the listeners to to know? I would love for the listeners that we are an open organization. We encourage people, if you have any questions, to phone us at any time. We'll review your property record with you. We'll go over it. If you want a copy sent in the mail, we'll send it. But if you have any questions or any doubts or anything like that, give us a call. Uh, and I would encourage listeners to do that, to call us when they feel that the property value is wrong. Because unfortunately, most people, and I shouldn't say unfortunately, because I understand this. I understand that when you see an increase in your property value, you see an increase in your taxes, mm -hmm. which is not always the case. And a lot of times it's not the case. No. Because ultimately, if a market goes up, a town may adjust the rate so that at the end of the day, you're still paying the same That's tax. Right. But you, I would encourage people to separate the taxation issue from the valuation issue. Because appealing assessments and different aspects based on the taxes may be uh, a waste of your time because we're dealing exactly with the market value. Yeah. So I would encourage you, if you feel it's wrong or you feel that you're going to pay too much, if taxes is only issue, still call us in. And at the end of the day, if you're ultimately happy that we've, we've correctly or somewhat correctly got the market value, don't appeal because of your taxes. That's right. <clears throat> because it's we don't we don't no. it, it never gets into it. We're not mandated to even talk about it. Mm -hmm. And if you end up in a review commission to discuss your value, it will be your value only. Yeah. So I would certainly encourage sure. people to do that. Yeah. And we have a one eight hundred number that anybody can phone us on. We have our website, and I'm sure you can probably yeah. get the information yeah. provided. I'll let your listeners know. Yeah, our website is there. We have a frequently asked questions section. And if there's anything there that's not, not that we don't answer, phone, we'll be more than helping to help. Sure, perfect. We're an open book. We're not. So anyway, Dan, thanks for coming in and having this chat with me. I'm sure the listeners are going to enjoy that because they don't hear much about the Municipal Assessment Agency and, and they don't know really what it's all about. And hopefully this uh, this little session we had today will clear some of that up. Yeah, and I think, and again, if, if, if your listeners have any suggestions or any questions or anything, sure, certainly... You can pass them on to us, and we're always looking at ways to improve our service if, if need be. So that, that we're all about again educating the, the public and making sure they realize the relationship and what we do. Why not? So, so thank you for having yeah, me, Tom. No problem, buddy. Thanks for coming in. Thank you. Have a good one. You too. And that was my conversation with Don Hearn who is the Executive Director and CEO of Municipal Assessment Agency. I would like to thank Don for having that wonderful chat with me on the many aspects of the Assessment Agency. For more information on this episode, please visit the Municipal Assessment Agency's website at maa.ca or call them directly at 
877-277-2807. I'm your host, Tony Keats. Thank you for listening. And until we chat again, have a great one. Hey, sir. How are you? Hey, how are you? Good, buddy. Good. You're having trouble, were you? Yeah, for some reason, uh, now I had to come outside and sit in the truck to uh, get enough bars because I only had two in the building, but yeah, this seems to be fine now. Okay. If, if we happen to lose each other, I'll just send you another invite. Uh, that happens a couple of times, and it's got to do with the service. Oh, okay. All right. So, uh, so Dwayne's only going to take about 20 minutes or so, half an hour. Yeah. It all depends on, on the conversation. Yeah. And I just want to get out of you the most I can about, uh, you know, what you do uh, and about the association that you're involved with. Yes. Right? And what other points you want to get across. Like, I have some questions, but, you know, don't worry about the questions. If you want to get other points across, just, you know, just keep on going if you want to, okay? Yes. So I appreciate this, buddy. So I'm going to get started now. I'll start recording. You're ready. You're ready? Yes, sir. Okay. Hello, Dwayne, and welcome to the Chambers. Oh, really glad to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, it's good to have you. Uh, you know, with everything on the go, uh, I know you were busy, especially last week uh, with the uh, with the uh, the fire prevention week uh, between October the 9th and the 15th. And that was, uh, I think, was the 100th anniversary of uh, fire prevention week, wasn't it? Yes, and, and uh, we, uh, of course, we're always busy anyway, you know, with between... You know what it's like volunteering uh, for your organization, Tony. You've got home, you've got life, you've got work, uh, and then you've got your volunteer life, uh, <laughs> which is just as busy as any other part, right? Exactly. Uh, Dwayne, uh, before we go any further, uh, you are the fire chief in Come By Chance, and you are the president of the Newfoundland and Labrador Association of Fire Services. But yeah. what, what, who is Dwayne Anto? Who is he? Well, I'm, I'm, uh, extraordinary guy <laughs> i believe you know uh married to uh my beautiful wife kelly for the last uh, 30 plus years and still going strong and uh, you know she's my rock and and my foundation keeps me uh on the level uh but i guess i'm a lot of things you know i'm a dad i'm a husband i'm uh, i hope i'm a good worker i think i am <laughs> <laughs> And uh, I'm, I'm a fire chief. Really? How many years you got in so far, Dwayne? Uh, 28 years, I believe it is now. Yeah, that's, that's great service, buddy. I, I, uh, I applaud you for that. Well, there, there are those who, uh, we just had a, a person at our last convention have uh, 50 years of active service. Wow. Wow. Doesn't. Yep. Yep. Not your name on the list. And for example, uh, Fire Chief Wayne Power in Placentia. Oh, yes, I know Wayne, yeah. Yeah, well, Wayne has 50 years of service, right? That's amazing, right? Yeah, and like that's active service, like still going to calls, still doing the job, like, you know. Wow. Like like I was doing, you know, like I would do right now, so. Yeah, yeah. Phenomenal. No, that's good. Uh, Dwayne, the association, the association started in 1964, I do believe. Right now, you guys have, uh, you know, you guys and girls have 182 fire departments and 6,000 firefighters. Am I right? Yeah, give or take uh, a few, uh, uh, but, but around 6,000. 
Okay, yeah. In 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 like I was saying earlier in last week when you had the fire prevention week, uh, do you still do the learn not to burn program and the education programs with kids in schools and stuff? Yes, uh, our learn not to burn program is well, of course, it, it had a few curveballs thrown out for COVID, sure. but it's still a very active program. <clears throat> our uh, coordinator, Mr. Tom Yutman out of Carbonair. Uh, is still delivering the program and of course he's delighted now that he can actually get back into schools and and do it on a, on a you know the basis that it was uh, founded uh, now he was very creative during uh, COVID and, and we were still able to do some some great things for people uh, but Tom is a very dedicated fella and uh, you know he's been doing an awesome job with that since he took over I guess it's it must be ten years now. Yeah, yeah. That's 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 a good program. I don't know. I know the the the, the fire department in our area. You know, touches base with school uh, off and on throughout the year, and they, you know, they get the kids and they come down with the fire trucks and and they really, you know, they really make sure that the kids understand uh, what the program's all about. Make sure you know when they go home to tell their parents, you know, make sure you got your 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 smoke alarms and and make sure everything is there. And how you get out of your house is very important. You know, make sure you got that plan. I guess right. Yeah, and you know, when, uh, even say for me, like when my children were were in K-3 and, and they would do the Learn Not to Burn, uh, or any fire prevention program for that matter, like they would come home so excited and they'd make me check the smoke detector, <laughs> yeah. talk about our rescue plan or our escape plan and talk about fire safety. And, uh, you know, they'd spend a couple of days showing me my bad habits and uh, it really works. It do, it do. Yeah. Oh. Always said that you know if you if you ever want to make sure that that parents and older people understand what's going on, uh, make sure you educate the kids first. Well, that's how the program works, isn't it? Exactly, sir. Exactly, uh, Dwayne. I noticed that uh, you know uh, on your site there's three pillars, uh, uh, you know, of the association, such as advocacy, uh, member services, education. Uh, so let's touch on each one of those, Dwayne. Yeah. So what, what, what do you guys do for to make sure that, that the word gets out there and, and your advocacy is done? Well, our, our, advo- our advocating, uh, of course, has, has many faces. Like we're looking at uh, fire prevention, promoting fire prevention. Uh, we advocate for safe working conditions uh, for our membership. Mm-hmm. Also, we're looking for, and that would come from things, uh, Tony, like, building codes, sure. uh, enforcement of, of uh, regulation, things of, of those natures, things that would make the building safe, not only for the people who occupy the building on a regular basis, but for firefighters who may enter that building during an emergency. Uh, for example, you know, advocating for, you know, uh, panic hardware in the right places. You know, it may seem like, like, you know, well, why do we need that? We don't have enough people here, but, you know, you get a firefighter in that building and uh, in the middle of the night and, and it's completely dark and something goes wrong and they have to bail out, you know, so it's not just for uh, the general public. Mm-hmm. It, it's for our firefighters as well. That's right. But, but we advocate for many things. Like you probably just saw <clears throat> the announcement being made that we're adding to the presumptive cancer legislation and that was a big piece that we've been working on since 2015 uh, and and there were, it was done originally 
we thought it was going to be done uh, in two different tiers, but it's the same coverage for volunteer and career. Yeah. And a lot of work has been done uh, to add more to that. And we just, we've just added a whole new list of cancers uh, to that program. And that was, you know, that's been years of advocating. It was. I have to say our former fire commissioner, Derek Simmons, a uh, big bouquet to him because I know he didn't stop. Uh, you know, just there, there was a whole bunch of people involved in that one. Yeah, I know. I, I heard uh, Minister Davis on uh, on last week, uh, you know, in the media, this week in the media, uh, talking about the new amendments to the Workplace Health and Safety Conversation Act. And, and especially where he talked about expanding, uh, you know, the presumption coverage, including the additional cancers and the cardiac events. So, Dwayne, that's great news, right? Yeah, it is. And uh, I, I got to throw a bouquet out to the International Firefighters uh, Association, too, the, the union. They, I mean, they haven't stopped, uh, of course. They, you know, they're doing the same, uh, I guess, advocating that we're doing. Sure. Uh, they're doing it for their members and, and uh it's been a combined effort and really thankful uh, to Minister Davis for seeing that finished. Yeah, no, that's, that's great news. I know, I know, you know, when I was president of municipalities, Newfoundland, Labrador, I know it, it was talked about a lot and, and, you know, make sure the services got there and make sure that was there for the fire. Uh, you know, because, you know, you guys do face, you know, a, a dangerous situations sometimes, especially when it comes to smoking inhalations and and when you're around toxic uh, toxic chemicals and you know that gets into your system. It's uh, it's it's hard enough to fight the battle when 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 you're when you're into it, but uh, it's even uh, it's even worse when you're not uh, when you don't have that kind of support there, right? Oh, for sure, yeah. for sure. Yeah, some of our our advocating as well goes to. Uh, <clears throat> education for firefighters, advocating for more training, advocating for uh, education programs. Sometimes it may seem a little outside of, uh, say, our comfortable box for firefighting. Yes. And and the cancer prevention is just one example. Mm-hmm. To the point where our association now has its own cancer prevention uh, committee appointed. And that committee uh, is is going to be starting their work very soon, and <clears throat> that's going to be looking at uh, safer gear, yeah, safer uh, procedures, procedures that'll keep us safer, uh, decontamination, uh, all of those things, uh, you know, that are, that are all a part of preventing uh, mm-hmm. the disease in the first place, right. So, you know, that's, that's, you see a lot of different faces to our, our advocating. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Uh, when it comes to member services, I know, I know, you know, most of a, a lot of the member services that, that you guys um, share, you know, with your members and what you do for your members and, and making sure that, you know, to get the word out and you and you have your convention every year, uh, you know, so you do great work there. And when it comes to uh, training, uh, you know, like the education part that you were just saying is it's very important to make sure that firefighters are, are trained well, uh, you know, and, and what we just came out of COVID or, you know, we're still in COVID, but we, we came out of the, 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 the hardness of, of the battle of COVID. Uh, but education is, 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 I guess it's, it's more now you're, you're one-on-one instead of being online and that kind of stuff. Is it Dwayne? Well, there's a mixture of both out there. Uh, and in some cases, you know, we'd rather be face to face. However, the one advantage that we have 
uh, using technology today is I can be in come by chance tonight helping you understand something or learning from you mm-hmm. and you could be anywhere in the world. Exactly. And I don't have to spend the fortune to get to you and I don't have to take time off from work. You know, I can do it in the nighttime. I can do it uh, at my convenience and your convenience. And, and so there, there is a mixture of, of, uh, of both that we like to use. Yeah. Uh, Dwayne, I see that, you know, the three top priorities of a firefighter are life safety, incident state, uh, incident stabilization, and property uh, conservation. And life safety, you know, it's got to be the number one for sure. Uh, and with that comes eye stress for sure. How do, how do firefighters now handle that stress component, especially when we talk about mental health and, and you know, mental health awareness and making sure our, you know, firefighters that's out there uh, got the services and got the, the, the tools in the toolbox that's needed? Well, one time, you know, we didn't really understand uh, the right way to deal with that. That's right. And, and everybody had their own remedy and everybody had their own theory as to what we should do. Thankfully, you know, we started to learn to do better. Mm-hmm. Uh, in 2015, our association took on the, uh, what some people just thought was going to be a dream of having a SISM committee right across our province. And the whole idea of, of that uh, that process is that any firefighter in the province who's had a traumatic event will be able to have a peer uh, responder come in who is trained, uh, competent, and can sit down with them and help them sort things out. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not uh, medical professionals or anything like that. They're just, uh, you know, they're, they're ordinary uh, first responders who have decided, you know what, uh, I can help in another way. Mm-hmm. So we train under the uh, Critical Instant Stress Foundation. And <clears throat> that service is quite busy for us. Uh, we respond now after any traumatic event, whether it be uh, a fire, or a road accident, uh, illness even. You know, anything that, that can be traumatizing if our firefighters need uh, get traumatized, and we, we see it as a need to take care of that. And in a lot of cases, Tony, we're taking care of it now right in the fire hall because we know how to do a proper defusing. Yes. Uh, and if we need more, we'll have uh, some of our peers come in and help us with an actual debriefing. Yeah. And that doesn't talk about tactical issues. It doesn't look at you know what we did uh, and how we can do it better with respect to our hands-on piece, it talks about what we experienced, why we experienced that, and what we're going to do about it going forward. Mm-hmm. And I, I guess, Dwayne, you know, when you talked about, you know, uh, talking to their peers, uh, I'm, I'm thinking that, you know, they, they can open up more and, and, and they can let go more when, when, when they know that they're talking to somebody who's probably been in the same situation or and, and knows what they're going through. You know, I think that really makes a difference. Yeah. Uh, because when, when you're sitting across the table from somebody, uh, sometimes you like, and I'll speak from personal experience, uh, I didn't want you to know how I was feeling. Mm-hmm. Because back then, I kind of thought like, well, I can't be very tough if I'm feeling this way. Exactly. Now, if, if, you know, you're sitting across the table from me and you're saying, Dwayne, as a mayor, look, I'm here, boy, I understand. I'm not going to show you that. 
That's right. But if your fire chief walks in and says, Dwayne, you know, I've been there, buddy. And I know, and, and you know, and, and this is probably what you're feeling. And right away, I know that, okay, you know what? He's been through this. There, There's nothing wrong with me. Mm-hmm. Maybe this is a normal process that I have to go through. Exactly. Makes a makes a huge difference. Yeah, and I can see that working way better than, you know, opening up to somebody who, who, who you think in your mind, you know, don't go through the same thing that you go through. And, 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 and it really works. I can see that. And it's great that you guys got that there. Yeah, and we've done a lot of work, uh, too, with, like, so So, what happens if, you know, I come in your fire hall, I do this with you, and, and that isn't quite enough. Mm-hmm. So, we had to have a, a, a somewhat of a plan in place for that. And a uh, lady who used to do our uh, autism awareness training, Shoshana Goss, she helped us put together quite a bit of information uh, so that when the SISM team member goes out and sees that, okay, we need to go a step further now. Mm. That information is available because you know what? Like, even though we got some great programs out there, if you don't know about them and you don't know how to find them and you don't know how to access them, then they're really no good to us, are they? That's right, and and that's after 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 battle there sometimes is you know probably there is supports out there is just that you know we don't use them or we don't know they're there. Exactly. Exactly. Do I- Dwayne, do you believe or think that, you know, firefighters in our province and the fire departments in our province get enough support, like support from the municipalities that they serve or, or from even from the province when it comes to, you know, the education part or the equipment or to do their job part? Uh, I'm going to say that I'm in no way uh, thinking along the lines of, you know, that municipalities don't care or governments don't care. Uh but I will say that there are times that they could use more support as well. Sure. You know, that uh, they can provide more support to their firefighters. There's various reasons. Some are economic reasons. Uh, and, and in our small communities, and you know yourself, uh, Mayor from in, in Dover, like there's only so much money to go out. It is, yeah. So, so that becomes a challenge. And... You know, if, if a community is doing everything they can for their firefighters uh, financially, then, you know, that's one piece of the puzzle. But it's certainly not the only form of support that uh, that they can be providing. No, that's right. You know, being understanding is, is a big deal. Like, volunteering in the fire department isn't like volunteering, say, in, in a service organization. If, uh, like, I'm a member of the Lions Club. If I don't, uh, if something happens tonight uh, that the Lions Club is involved in and I can't get there because I'm working, there's no impact. That's right. You know, somebody else will just pick it up and, you know, the function will get their dinner served or, you know, the floors will get cleaned or whatever the case may be. But in the volunteer fire service, there's a tremendous amount of pressure to be there. Because if you're not there, you know what the consequences could be. Yeah, that's right. Now, we brush that off, and anyone who's not in the service, and I mean in the service, not just the name on the list, but in the service, would understand that there is a tremendous amount of pressure that goes with that. For example, uh, I'm not going to have a drink if I think we don't have enough firefighters. Mm-hmm. And when we do our on-call list, 
you know, I've had other people say to me, some of my firefighters say to me, you know, because it's not just me doing it. Well, you know what? I'm not going to go to that party tonight. Or if I do go, I'm going to be the DD. Yeah. That way, if a call comes in, I can respond to it. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and these are little sacrifices that we do, that we make, that, that nobody really notices. So when we need a little help, you know, the worst thing that can happen to us is for somebody to say, well, I know you need help, but what are we going to do? That's right. Now, I think it's a difficult world we live in there mm-hmm. right now. Things have really changed, and I'm, I'm, I hate to be using COVID as an excuse, but things have changed since COVID happened to us. It have, yeah. The world seems a little more difficult to get through, a little less tolerable of us. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm seeing things wrong, but, but I honestly believe that things have changed. A little, you know, we've all heard uh, that a little kindness goes a long way. That phrase is being used a lot right now. That's right. Well, you know, a little kindness towards each other in our business, Tony, because you're the mayor and I'm the fire chief. We're never going to see eye to eye on everything. That can't, you know, if that happens, then we're do- maybe we're doing something wrong. Yeah, maybe, yeah. We have to disagree on some things. Yeah. Uh, we, I have a different operating uh, philosophy for the fire department than you do for your council. Mm-hmm. So just in that alone, there's going to be a difference. That's right. But do we need to tear each other down? No, exactly. You know, and, and we may, it's okay to disagree. And because we disagree, and you and I have sat across the table from each other in meetings, and, yeah. and you disagreed with something that, uh, or we had a different opinion, mm-hmm. put it that way, of something. It didn't mean you were my enemy. Oh, God, no. No, it, it meant that you didn't see it the way I saw it. That's right. But how many times, Tony, did we talk things out and be, hey, maybe neither one of us got everything we wanted. That's right. But we came to a solution that was best for our both of our organizations. Yeah, and that's what it's all about at the end of the day, right? I, I think it is. It is, yeah. 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 Dwayne? Tony, yeah. Tony you, like, you know, as president of, of, the, uh, of your association, you never, ever got everything you needed. Oh, God, no. But you made it work. That's right. And, and, and that's what it's all about. You, I mean, I think, you know, over the years, you, you, you come to learn that. You come to learn, you know, that, that you know, you, you go out and you fight for everything that you want. But you know that out of the wants that, you, that you're asking for, you know, is, is the most needs that you're, you're going to cover is what, what you're really looking for at the end of the day. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, Dwayne, we just, we just witnessed on the Southwest Coast, uh, uh, Storm Fiona, um, and that was a few weeks ago now. Um, and the role of your association and local fire departments in that area played, you know, played a major role uh, when it comes to when it comes to uh, protection and getting people out and making sure that things be done. And, and and the volunteer base was amazing. You know, the community, you know, the communities over there, the mayors and and the firefighters and and all the volunteers had done great, great work and sh- and should be applauded for it. But Dwayne, if you had some advice for the residents or you know the people that that find themselves now in in those kind of major storms or or any kind of storm to be honest with you what are the major things that that those residents need to do and 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 need to be aware of well one thing is making yourself aware uh you know when, when we hear that really bad weather is coming let's not just ignore it you know let's let's be prepared for it 
uh, you know, having enough food, water, medication, uh, things of that nature to get you through uh, at least 72 hours yeah. uh, is a big one. But being prepared, like if you know that there's going to be a big storm surge uh, and, and we live right on the coastline, for example, when have a plan, like when do we realize that we can't just stay here? Yeah. I think that's, that's really important because you know what, as hard as it is to lose a home mm-hmm. and my heart goes out to those people. Uh, you know, I've been, I've been talking to say fire chief Jerry, uh, in, in Port of Basque, you know, his heart is broken because yep. uh, he's watching his friends go through this. Mm-hmm. Uh, but losing some one person was much more difficult than all of the homes That's right. that were lost, you know, and, and, uh, so being prepared to leave that situation and, and, and get yourself to safety, listening to the authorities, e- even as, uh, and Tony, you saw this big change. I did. Uh, since you've been in there, like when they call the town of Dover and say, uh, I think we've, you know, we've got a really big storm coming. I think, uh, you know, mm-hmm. we need to be prepared. And then we start joining these emergency uh, preparedness right. meetings. Like, that's a big change from years ago. It is. When we were left on our own, right? Mm-hmm. So making sure we take advantage of, of those things are, uh, are very important. It is. And, and, and you know, like, uh, we come across things over the years and, and making sure, you know, if, if you know, because we have plans by now, making sure them plans are updated every so often because, you know, things change, Dwayne, and, and we got to make sure that we're on top of everything and make sure the residents understand, you know, and I'm, we're, not, we're not crying you know, the, the sky is not falling. We're, we're, we want to make sure that you understand as a resident and, you know, as a member of our community that, you know, we mean business. We need your, you to get out. We need you to do what yeah. we're doing or the firefighters or the police stations or, you know, anybody it, when it comes to first responders, when, when, when they go around knocking on doors or, or, or we're doing true social media, we want you to understand that, you know, we need you to get out because it's serious. Oh, for sure. And, and you know, like, probably the biggest mistake that happens with those plans is that we make them uh, and then we forget about them. Uh, we we kind of got two plans here. We got our own plan that we developed. I, I guess we started developing our plan back in 2005. That's, that's, that's when we started uh, as individual communities. Yes. And we all helped each other and, and uh, did the best we could. But uh, a few years ago, we, we started a, a regional emergency plan. Yeah. And uh, the, the four towns in, on the Isthmus <clears throat> got together and uh, put together a regional plan as well. Uh, both have its purposes. Mm-hmm. The regional plan doesn't eliminate the individual plan for the community, but a lot of the information is going to be the same, so we don't have to reinvent all the wheels. Sure. So, you know, having, uh, if you're in an area where you can work with neighboring communities, because for example, if you've got big rainfall coming mm-hmm. and uh, one community has two loaders, but the other community only has a pickup truck with a plow on it. That's right. All of a sudden, both communities got a loader that they can utilize, right? Yeah. And, and we, we've done the same thing, you know, in our community here, uh, when we sat down and done our power plan, because, you know, our neighboring community, uh, you know, we, 
we don't have no fence between us. We're, we're that close together. You're one minute you're in our town, next minute you're in a neighboring town. So we, we, we sat down together and we've done up the plan together uh, because we share the same fire services. We share the same schools. We share the same. So we, we do a lot of sharing when it comes to, you know, services now. And why not share the plan when it comes to, you know, emergency plans, right? Yes, yeah. I think you just hit the key right there, Tony. The sharing. Yeah. Nobody wants to give up their their identity. Yeah. Nobody wants to lose the name off of, uh, you know, I don't want to lose the name Come By Chance. I'm proud of the name, you know, Come By Chance. Yeah. I'm proud to be from Come By Chance. But does that mean that Come By Chance, Sunnyside, Arnold's Cove, and, and Southern Harbor can't share more services? Of course you can. Yeah. We think about all the pressures that are on smaller communities today. I mean, our communities are shrinking. There's yeah. absolutely no doubt about that. Our right. population is aging. And there is a debate over who should be uh, <clears throat> who should be responding to emergency calls. Because let's be honest, while your heart is into it, you know, should we should we make a 70-year-old go out and respond to stressful situations because mm-hmm. we don't have enough people in our own little community to do so? That's right. But if we if we look at it from a regional perspective, yeah. we could have more active uh, members who can do the work. We'll have more resources for each call we go on. We would be able to have a better budget. Now, maybe it, it's in totality, it'll be less than the budget of the four fire departments, you know, and I'm just using area as, a, as a, no. an example. So there, there's so many benefits to regionalizing your services, and that is where the future lies in rural firefighting in Newfoundland and Labrador. And, and Dwayne, that was one of my questions, actually, you know, was, you know, we, we've been talking about regionalization within communities for, for years now. Uh, you know, government is finally talking about it. And, we, you know, a report was just done up on regionalization of communities and municipalities through Newfoundland and Labrador. And, you know, and one of my questions to you was, you know, is that the good or bad for fire departments in, in the communities? But I think you're answering it pretty well with the other question. Yeah. And look, it's never going to be perfect. Nothing we do is going to be perfect. Of course not. I mean, you know, I've seen, I, I've been, you know, discussing this with other fire chiefs, what would the benefits be? But there's also things that we'll say, you know, oh, I'm not sure about this, but because we've had things a certain way for the last 30, 40, 50 years. Yes. So there are going to be some challenges. Right. And it won't work everywhere. We understand that. Uh, <clears throat> for example, if, you know, you want to uh, regionalize a fire service with your neighboring town, but your neighboring town is, you know, 35, 40 kilometers away, you're, you may you still have a regional fire department, but if you think you're going down to, you know, you're, you're going to be able to go down to one station and bring everyone together, maybe not. Yeah, that's right. Right? And, uh, but then there are other situations where, you know, we got, you can look out of one fire hall and see the other one. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, what, what would you say is the most overlooked, uh, overlooked when it comes to fire safety in our homes, uh, Dwayne? And, and, or even in our communities. Boy, that's a tough one because there's so many news from. <laughs> uh, like, you know, oh, I think our habits. Yeah. How many times have I done a fire inspection and I see an extension cord 
uh, that's been plugged in. Maybe it goes out through a wall. Maybe it goes up through a ceiling. Mm. Maybe it runs under carpet. And I'll say, like, that really shouldn't be there. Well, it's been there for 25 years and nothing's happened yet. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, well, that that's great. <laughs> I've heard that one before. Nothing happened, and it, you know. Yeah, then all of a sudden we... I think just our habits, of, uh, the way that we do things, because, and I, I won't go too far into it, but an extension cord is meant to be a temporary fix for a piece of equipment that is, you know, that can be exactly. moved from place to place. Yeah. If we need, say, deep freeze running 24-7, you know, all year long, eh, you know what, maybe we should be able to justify putting in a dedicated electrical service for that, right? That's right. <laughs> You know, you wouldn't you wouldn't plug your dishwasher in with an ex- well. I hope you wouldn't plug your dishwasher in with an extension cord and leave it there, right? That's right. That's right. Now, Dwayne, before we go, what would you say is the best or greatest strength of a firefighter, Dwayne? The greatest strength of a firefighter is the reason that they're there. Even even in, like I'm a career firefighter as well, and yet the money's nice. We gotta leave. We got we we have to earn money. Mm-hmm. Why did I want to be a firefighter? Like, why did I choose this? Yeah. And for every firefighter, there's there may be a, you know, a different uh, version of the answer. But volunteer firefighters, paid firefighters, uh, paramedics, it doesn't matter who works. Police officers in emergency services, people have chosen to be there because they have a passion for it. That's right. They absolutely have a passion. It's what they believe in. Mm-hmm. It's what they live. And their families are the same. Yeah. You go to you go to a firefighter's home and you and if you just sat down and you just watched his family interact, you'll realize it's not just the firefighter who's uh, giving to the fire service. The whole family in one way or another is just as dedicated to the fire service as that firefighter. And that's true. Uh, you know, when, when you say that, you look around, especially, you know, like the firefighters in my area and and, and, and every community for sure. Uh, you know, you can relate that, what you just said, to everybody, to be honest with you. Everybody. Yep. Yeah. I believe you can. I mean, when that pager goes off uh, at 12 o'clock in the night, you will not hear, you know, a firefighter's partner say, ah, I don't want you to go. No. You know that they don't want you to go, not because they don't want you to help, but because they may be scared for you. Yeah, yeah. But they, but they make that sacrifice and they let you go. Yeah. And Dwayne, what would you say is your favorite part of, of doing the job that you do? My favorite part is working with the people that I work with. Yeah. You know, like I, I get to talk to people from all different walks of life. Uh, I mean, I've sat in room with the fire chiefs of the biggest cities in Canada. And I've sat in the room with fire chiefs of the smallest communities in our little province. Mm-hmm. And I don't see a big difference between them other than resources. Exactly. I see the same passion. Yeah. I see the same desire to help people. Mm-hmm. And when somebody, when somebody is willing to help and do what they can with what little they have, and they don't have the same resources... Doesn't that speak volumes of their character? They do, doesn't it? They don't give up. Oh. 
No, they were firefighters in your town. They didn't. They don't give up when times get tough. That's when they pull together and they make it work. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And 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 I believe that wholeheartedly. You know, because you know, I've been on council now for thirty years, and and like you said, Dwayne, you know, I've been involved with municipalities in Flint, Labrador. I've been involved with with FCM on the national level level, and I, I've I've seen, I've sat down with you know mayors from other cities and other towns that's way bigger than mine. Uh, but at the end of the day, we got the same problems, uh, but I would handle it sometimes a little different. But, you know, it, it, it's what the final result is, to be honest with you. It is. And, you know, and people don't realize how much or how difficult it is to be a town councillor in your own community. Mm-hmm. I think if you were allowed to be town councillors, but not in your own community, in somebody else's community, boy, your job would be so much easier. <laughs> it would be, wouldn't it? Yeah. yeah, but, yeah. Uh, yeah. And and that's something you know that I recognise. I know that we will always you know have uh, issues that we have to work out, and sometimes you know we. I mean, we all fight for what we believe in. Exactly. You know, yeah. You were never a pushover at the table. Mm-hmm. When you believed in something, you you believed in it. Yeah. Uh, I'm no different. Uh, but as we said earlier in, in in the podcast, certainly doesn't mean that we're enemies. No, no, it doesn't, you know, and, and, and we're there for the same reason, to be honest with you. And, and I think that's what we look at, you know, when, when we say what needs to be done for the community, what needs to be done for the residents, you know, and what needs to be done for the various first, you know, first responders. It's, it's, it's a vital role in our communities. It's a vital role in our province and our country. Uh, and making sure that, that that's acknowledged is, is important. Oh, it is. Yeah. And, you know, recognizing at the end of the day, you have your argument, you make your case, Win, lose, or draw, you should be able to look across the table and say, to you, even if you only say it to yourself, you know, <laughs> hey, maybe I didn't get what I wanted. Maybe I didn't even get what I needed, maybe. Yeah. And maybe that makes me a little uh, a little anxious. Yeah. But you know what? We're all here trying to help our community. Maybe I, don't, maybe I don't agree with Chief Antle's philosophy. Maybe I don't think we should look at, you know, something differently because they're volunteers. Uh I don't know, I'm just going off the top of my head here now, but you know what? I'm going to respect him, and he has to respect me, and that's the way we have to move forward. And at the end of the day, Dwayne, that's what it's all about, is respect. It is. You know, our former mayor, Keith Best, who was also a firefighter with us, uh, he said that one night. He said, like, they, they were having this big discussion about how volunteerism works in the community, why it works, and how important it is, and... That was the way he said it. it's about respect. That way. Yeah. yeah. Now, Dwayne, before we go, uh, would you like to say anything else or do you have anything else you would like to talk about? Uh, well, you know, I, I thank you so much for uh, for having me on to, uh, to chat with you. I, I look forward to doing this again. Uh, there's so many things that we can talk about, Tony, and, and mm-hmm. so many things that we need to talk about maybe. That's right. That we should. Yeah. Anytime, Dwayne, I'm here. You can you you got my number. You can reach out to me. Uh, you know, I'm very accessible um, and and getting the word out, uh, you know, from your association and from the fire departments and and from your membership is 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 a great thing. And, and I'm here to uh, to aid in any way. Thank you so much for that, sir. And I look forward to our next chat. Right on, buddy. You have a good evening. You too. I'll talk to you again. Take care. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Hey, sir. How are you? Hey, how are you? Good, buddy. Good. You're having trouble, were you? Yeah, for some reason, uh, 
Now I had to come outside and sit in the truck to uh, get enough bars because I only had two in the building. But yeah, this seems to be fine now. Okay, if if we happen to lose each other, I'll just send you another invite. Uh, that happens a couple of times, and it's got to do with the service. Oh, okay. All right. So, uh, so Dwayne's only going to take about twenty minutes or so, half an hour. Oh. It all depends on on the conversation. Yep. And I just want to get out of you the most I can about, uh, you know, what you do uh, and about the association that you're involved with. Yes. Right. And what other points do you want to get across? Like, I have some questions, but, you know, don't worry about the questions. If you want to get other points across, just, you know, just keep on going if you want to. Okay. Yes. So I appreciate this, buddy. So I'm going to get started and I'll start recording. Ready? You're ready? Yes, sir. Okay. Hello, Dwayne, and welcome to the Chambers. Oh, really glad to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, it's good to have you. Uh, you know, with everything on the go, uh, I know you were busy, especially last week uh, with the uh, with the uh, the fire prevention week uh, between October the 9th and the fifteenth, and that was, uh, I think, was the hundred anniversary of uh, fire prevention week, wasn't it? Yes, and and uh, we, uh, of course, we're always busy anyway. You know, with between. You know what it's like volunteering uh, for your organization, Tony. You've got home, you've got life, you've got work, uh, and then you've got your volunteer life, uh, yeah. which is just as busy as any other part, right? Exactly. Uh, Dwayne, uh, before we go any farther, uh, you are the fire chief in Come By Chance, and you are the president of the Newfoundland and Labrador Association of Fire Services. But yeah. what, what, who is Dwayne Anto? Who is he? Well, I'm, I'm, uh, just your ordinary guy, <laughs> I believe. You know, I'm uh, married to uh, my beautiful wife, Kelly, for the last 30-plus uh, years and still going strong. And, uh, you know, she's my rock and, and my foundation. Keeps me uh, on the level. Uh, but I guess I'm a lot of things, you know. I'm a dad. I'm a husband. I am uh, I hope I'm a good worker. I think I am. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, I'm, I'm a fire chief. How many years you got in so far, Dwayne? Uh, 28 years, I believe it is now. Yeah, that's that's great service, buddy. I, I, uh, I applaud you for that. Well, there, there are those who, uh, we just had a, a person at our last convention have uh, 50 years of active service. Wow. Wow. That's amazing. Yep. Yeah. Not your name on the list. And, for example, uh Fire Chief Wayne Power in Placentia. Oh, yes, I know Wayne, yeah. Yeah, well, Wayne has 50 years of service, right? That's amazing, right? Yeah, and like that's active service, like still going to calls, still doing the job, like, you know. Wow. Like like I was doing, you know, like I would do right now, so. Yeah, yeah. Phenomenal. No, that's good. Uh, Dwayne, the association, the association started in 1964, I do believe. Right now, you guys have, uh, you know, guys and girls, have 182 fire departments and 6,000 firefighters. Am I right? Yeah, give or take. Uh, a few, uh, uh, but, but around 6,000. Okay, yeah. In, 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 like I was saying earlier, in last week when you had fire prevention week, uh, do you still do the Learn Not to Burn program and the education programs with kids in schools and stuff? Yes, uh, our Learn Not to Burn program is, well, of course, it, it had a few curveballs thrown out for COVID, sure. but it's still a very active program. <clears throat> our uh, coordinator, Mr. Tom Yetman out of Carbonair, 
uh, is still delivering the program. And of course, he's delighted now that he can actually get back into schools and, and do it on a, on a, you know, the basis that it was uh, founded. Uh, now, he was very creative during uh, COVID and, and we were still able to do some, some great things for people. Uh, but Tom is a very dedicated fella and, uh, you know, he's been doing an awesome job with that since he took over, I guess it must be 10 years now. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a good program. I don't know. I know the, 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 the fire department in our area, you know, touches base with school off and on through the year and, they, you know, they get the kids and they come down with the fire trucks and, and they really, you know, they really make sure that the kids understand uh, what the program's all about. Make sure, you know, when they go home to tell their parents, you know, make sure you got your, your, your smoke alarms and, and make sure everything is there. And how you get out of your house is very important. You know, make sure you got that plan, I guess, right? Yeah. And, you know, when, uh, even say for me, like when my children were, were in K-3 and, and they would do the Learn Not to Burn, uh, or any fire prevention program for that matter, like they would come home so excited and they'd make me check the smoke detectors, <laughs> yeah. talk about our rescue plan or our escape plan and talk about fire safety. And, uh, you know, they'd spend a couple of days showing me my bad habits and uh, it really works. It do. It do. Yeah. Uh always said that you know if you if you ever want to make sure that that parents and older people understand what's going on uh make sure you educate the kids first well that's how the program works isn't it exactly sir exactly uh, Dwayne, i noticed that uh, you know uh, on your site there's three pillars uh, uh you know of the association such as ag- advocacy uh member services education uh, so let's touch on each one of those Dwayne. advocacy yeah. So what, what, what do you guys do for to make sure that, that the word gets out there and, and your advocacy is done? Well, our, our, advocacy, our advocating, uh, of course, has, has many faces. Like we're looking at uh, fire prevention, promoting fire prevention. Uh, we advocate for safe working conditions uh, for our membership. Mm-hmm. Also, we're looking for, and that would come from things, uh, Tony, like, building codes, sure. uh, enforcement of, of uh, regulation, things of, of those natures, things that would make the building safe, not only for the people who occupy the building on a regular basis, but for firefighters who may enter that building during an emergency. Uh, for example, you know, advocating for, you know, uh, panic hardware in the right places. You know, it may seem like, like, you know, well, why do we need that? We don't have enough people here, but, you know, you get a firefighter in that building and uh, in the middle of the night and, and it's completely dark and something goes wrong and they have to bail out, you know, so it's not just for uh, the general public. Mm-hmm. It, it's for our firefighters as well. That's right. But, but we advocate for many things. Like you probably just saw <clears throat> the announcement being made that we're adding to the presumptive cancer legislation and that was a big piece that we've been working on since 2015 uh, and and it was done originally we thought it was going to be done uh, in two different tiers but it's the same coverage for volunteer and career and a lot of work has been done uh, to add more to that and we just we've just added a whole new list of cancers uh, to that program and that was, you know, that's been years of advocating. It was. I have to say our former fire commissioner, Derek Simmons, uh, big bouquet to him because 
I know he didn't stop. Uh, you know, just there, there was a whole bunch of people involved in that one. Yeah, I know. I I heard uh, Minister Davis on uh, on last week. Uh, you know, in the media this week in the media. Uh, talking about the new amendments to the Workplace Health and Safety Conversation Act, and and especially where he talked about expanding, uh, you know, the presumption coverage, including the additional cancers and the cardiac events. So, Dwayne, that's great news, right? Yeah, it is. And uh, I, I got to throw a bouquet out to the International Firefighters uh, Association too, the the union. They, I mean, they haven't stopped. Uh, of course, that you know they're doing the same. Uh, I guess advocating that we're doing. Sure. Uh, they're doing it for their members and and uh it's been a combined effort and really thankful uh to minister davis for seeing that finished yeah no that's that's great news i know i know you know when i was president of municipalities newfoundland and labrador i know it, it was talked about a lot and and you know make sure the services got there and make sure that was there for the fire uh you know because you know you guys do face you know uh a dangerous situation sometimes, especially when it comes to smoking inhalations and and when you're around toxic uh, toxic chemicals and you know that gets into your system. It's uh, it's it's hard enough to fight the battle when 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 you're when you're into it, but uh, it's even uh, it's even worse when you're not uh, when you don't have that kind of support there, right? Oh, for sure, <clears throat> for sure. Yeah, some of our our advocating as well goes to. Uh, <clears throat> education for firefighters advocating for more training advocating for uh, education programs sometimes it may seem a little outside of uh say our comfortable box for firefighting yes and and the cancer prevention is just one example Mm -hmm. to the point where our association now has its own cancer prevention uh, committee appointed and that committee uh, is is going to be starting their work very soon, and <clears throat> that's going to be looking at uh, safer gear, yeah, safer uh, procedures, procedures that'll keep us safer, uh, decontamination, uh, all of those things, uh, you know, that are, that are all a part of preventing uh, mm-hmm. the disease in the first place, right. So, you know, that's, that's, you see a lot of different faces to our, our advocating. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Uh, when it comes to member services, I know, I know, you know, most of a, a lot of the member services that, that you guys um, share, you know, with your members and what you do for your members and, and making sure that, you know, to get the word out and you and you have your convention every year, uh, you know, so you do great work there. And when it comes to uh, training, uh, you know, like the education part that you were just saying is it's very important to make sure that firefighters are, are trained well, uh, you know, and, and what we just came out of COVID or, you know, we're still in COVID, but we, we came out of the, 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 the hardness of, of the battle of COVID. Uh, but education is, 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 I guess it's, it's more now you're, you're one-on-one instead of being online and that kind of stuff. Is it Dwayne? Well, there's a mixture of both out there. Uh, and in some cases, you know, we'd rather be face to face. However, the one advantage that we have uh, using technology today is I can be in come by chance tonight helping you understand something or learning from you mm-hmm. and you could be anywhere in the world. Exactly. And I don't have to spend the fortune to get to you and I don't have to take time off from work. You know, I can do it in the nighttime. I can do it uh, at my convenience and your convenience. And, and so there, there is a mixture of, of, uh, of both that we 
like to use. Yeah. Uh, Dwayne, I see that, you know, the three top priorities of a firefighter are life safety, incident state, uh, incident stabilization, and property uh, conservation. And life safety, you know, it's got to be the number one for sure. Uh, and with that comes eye stress for sure. How do, how do firefighters now handle that stress component, especially when we talk about mental health and, and you know, mental health awareness and making sure our, you know, firefighters that's out there uh, got the services and got the, the, the tools in the toolbox that's needed? Well, one time, you know, we didn't really understand uh, the right way to deal with that. That's right. And, and everybody had their own remedy and everybody had their own theory as to what we should do. Thankfully, you know, we started to learn to do better. Mm -hmm. uh, in 2015, our association took on the, uh, what some people just thought was going to be a dream of having a SISM committee right across our province. And the whole idea of, of that uh, that process is that any firefighter in the province who's had a traumatic event will be able to have a peer uh, responder come in who is trained, uh, competent, and can sit down with them and help them sort things out. Mm -hmm. You know, they're not uh, medical professionals or anything like that. They're just, uh, you know, they're, they're ordinary uh, first responders. Who have decided, you know what, uh, I can help in another way. Mm -hmm. So we train under the uh, Critical Instant Stress Foundation, and <clears throat> that service is quite busy for us. Uh, we respond now after any traumatic event, whether it be uh, a fire or a road accident, uh, illness, even, you know, anything that that can be traumatizing. If our firefighters need uh, get traumatized, and we, we see it as a need to take care of that. And in a lot of cases, Tony, we're taking care of it now right in the fire hall because we know how to do a proper defusing. Yes. Uh, and if we need more, we'll have uh, some of our peers come in and help us with an actual debriefing. Yeah. And that doesn't talk about tactical issues. It doesn't look at you know what we did uh, and how we can do it better with respect to our hands-on piece, it talks about what we experienced, why we experienced that, and what we're going to do about it going forward. Mm -hmm. And I, I guess, Dwayne, you know, when you talked about, you know, uh, talking to their peers, uh, I'm, I'm thinking that, you know, they, they can open up more and, and, and they can let go more when, when, when they know that they're talking to somebody who's probably been in the same situation or, and, and knows what they're going through. You know, I think that really makes a difference. Yeah. Uh, because when, when you're sitting across the table from somebody, uh, sometimes you like, and I'll speak from personal experience, uh, I didn't want you to know how I was feeling. Mm -hmm. Because back then, I kind of thought like, well, I can't be very tough if I'm feeling this way. Exactly. Now, if, if, you know, you're sitting across the table from me and you're saying, Dwayne, as a mayor, look, I'm here, boy, I understand. I'm not going to show you that. That's right. But if your fire chief walks in and says, Dwayne, you know, I've been there, buddy. And I know, and, and you know, and, and this is probably what you're feeling. And right away, I know that, okay, you know what? He's been through this. There, There's nothing wrong with me. Mm -hmm. Maybe this is a normal process that I have to go through. Exactly. Makes a, makes a huge difference.
Yeah, and I can see that working way better than, you know, opening up to somebody who, who, who you think in your mind, you know, don't go through the same thing that you go through. And, 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 and it really works. I can see that. And, and it's great that you guys got that there. Yeah, we've done a lot of work, uh, too, with, like, so So what happens if, you know, I come in your fire hall, I do this with you, and, and that isn't quite enough. Mm-hmm. So we have to have a, a, a somewhat of a plan in place for that. And a uh, lady who used to do our uh, autism awareness training, Shoshana Goss, she helped us put together quite a bit of information uh, so that when the SISM team member goes out and sees that, okay, we need to go a step further now, mm. that information is available because you know what? Like, even though we got some great programs out there, if you don't know about them and you don't know how to find them and you don't know how to access them, then they're really no good to us, are they? That's right. And, and that's after, after, after battle there sometimes is, you know, probably there is supports out there. It's just that, you know, we don't use them or we don't know they're there. Exactly. Exactly. Dwayne, do you believe or think that, you know, firefighters in our province and the fire departments in our province get enough support, like support from the municipalities that they serve or, or from even from the province when it comes to, you know, the education part or the equipment or to do their job part? Uh, I'm going to say, that I'm in no way uh, thinking along the lines of, you know, that municipalities don't care or governments don't care. Uh, but I will say that there are times that they could use more support as well. Sure. You know, that uh, they can provide more support to their firefighters. There's various reasons. Some are economic reasons. Uh, and, and in our small communities, and you know yourself, uh, Mayor, from in, in Dover, like, there's only so much money to go out. It is, yeah. So, so that becomes a challenge. And, you know, if, if a community is doing everything they can for their firefighters uh, financially, then, you know, that's one piece of the puzzle. But it's certainly not the only form of support that, uh, that they can be providing. No, that's right. You know, being understanding. Is, is a big deal. Like volunteering in the fire department isn't like volunteering, say, in, in a service organization. If, uh, like, I'm a member of the Lions Club. If I don't, uh, if something happens tonight uh, that the Lions Club is involved in and I can't get there because I'm working, there's no impact. That's right. You know, somebody else will just pick it up and, you know, the function will get their dinner served or, you know, the, floors will get cleaned or whatever the case may be but in the volunteer fire service there's a tremendous amount of pressure to be there because if you're not there you know what the consequences could be yeah that's right now we brush that off and anyone who's not in the service and i mean in the service not just the name on the list but in the service would understand that there is a tremendous amount of pressure that goes with that for example uh I'm not going to have a drink if I think we don't have enough firefighters. Mm-hmm. And when we do our on-call list, you know, I've had other people say to me, some of my firefighters say to me, you know, because it's not just me doing it. Well, you know what? I'm not going to go to that party tonight. Or if I do go, I'm going to be the DD. Yeah. That way, if a call comes in, I can respond to it. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and these are little sacrifices that we do, that we make, that, that nobody really notices. So when we need a little help, you know, the worst thing that 
can happen to us is for somebody to say, well, I know you need help, but what are we going to do? That's right. Now, I think it's a difficult world we live in there mm-hmm. right now. Things have really changed, and I'm, I'm, I hate to be using COVID as an excuse, but things have changed since COVID happened to us. It have, yeah. The world seems a little more difficult to get through, a little less tolerable of us. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm seeing things wrong, but, but I honestly believe that things have changed. A little, you know, we've all heard uh, that a little kindness goes a long way. That phrase is being used a lot right now. That's right. Well, you know, a little kindness towards each other in our business, Tony, because you're the mayor and I'm the fire chief. We're never going to see eye to eye on everything. That can't, you know, if that happens, then we're do- maybe we're doing something wrong. Yeah, maybe, yeah. We have to disagree on some things. Yeah. Uh, we, I have a different operating uh, philosophy for the fire department than you do for your council. Mm-hmm. So just in that alone, there's going to be a difference. That's right. But do we need to tear each other down? No, exactly. You know, and, and we may, it's okay to disagree. And because we disagree, and you and I have sat across the table from each other in meetings, yeah. and, and you disagreed with something that, uh, or we had a different opinion, mm-hmm. put it that way, of something. It didn't mean you were my enemy. Oh, God, no. No, it, it meant that you didn't see it the way I saw it. That's right. How many times, Tony, did we talk things out and be, hey, maybe neither one of us got everything we wanted. That's right. But we came to a solution that was best for our both of our organizations. Yeah, and that's what it's all about at the end of the day, right? I, I think it is. It is, yeah. 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 Uh, Dwayne? Yeah. Tony, you, like, you know, as president of, of, the, uh, of your association, you never, ever got everything you needed. Oh, God, no. But you made it work. That's right. And, and, and that's what it's all about. You, I mean, I think, you know, over the years, you, you, you come to learn that. You come to learn, you know, that, that you know, you, you go out and you fight for everything that you want. But you know that out of the wants that, you, that you're asking for, you know, is, is the most needs that you're, you're going to cover is what, what you're really looking for at the end of the day. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, Dwayne, we just, we just witnessed on the Southwest Coast, uh, uh, Dorm Fiona, um, and that was a few weeks ago now. Um, and the role of your association and local fire departments in that area played, you know, played a major role uh, when it comes to when it comes to uh, protection and getting people out and making sure that things be done. And, and and the volunteer base was amazing. You know, the community, you know, the communities over there, the mayors and and the firefighters and and all the volunteers have done great, great work and sh- and should be applauded for it. But Dwayne, if you had some advice for the residents or you know the people that that find themselves now in in those kind of major storms or or any kind of storm, to be honest with you, what are the major things that that those residents need to do and 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 need to be aware of? Well, one thing is making yourself aware. Uh, you know, when when we hear that really bad weather is coming, let's not just ignore it. You know, let's let's be prepared for it. Uh, you know, having enough food, water, medication, uh, things of that nature to get you through uh, at least 72 hours yeah, uh, is a big one. But being prepared, like, if you know that there's going to be a big storm surge uh, and, and we live right on the coastline, for example, when 
have a plan. Like, when do we realize that we can't just stay here? Yeah. I think that's that's really important because you know what? As hard as it is to lose a home, mm-hmm. and my heart goes out to those people. Uh, you know, I've been, I've been talking to, say, Fire Chief Jerry uh, in, in Port of Basque. You know, his heart is broken because yeah. uh, he's watching his friends go through this. Mm-hmm. Uh, but losing some one person was much more difficult than all of the homes That's right. that were lost, you know. And, and uh, so being prepared to leave that situation and, and, and get yourself to safety, listening to the authorities. E- even as, uh, and Tony, you saw this big change. I did. Uh, since you've been in there, like when they call the town of Dover and say, uh, I think we've, you know, we've got a really big storm coming. I think, uh, you know, mm-hmm. we need to be prepared. And then we start joining these emergency uh, preparedness right. meetings. Yeah. Like that's a big change from years ago. It is. When we were left on our own, right? Mm-hmm. So making sure we take advantage of, of those things are, uh, are very important. It is. And, 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 you know, like uh, we come across things over the years and, and making sure, you know, if, if, you know, cause we have plans by now, making sure them plans are updated every so often, because, you know, things change, Dwayne, and, and we got to make sure that we're on top of everything and make sure the residents understand, you know, and I'm, we're not, we're not crying, you know, the, the sky is not falling. We're, we're, we want to make sure that you understand as a resident and, you know, as a member of our community that, you know, we mean business. We need your, you to get out. We need you to do what yeah. we're doing or the firefighters or the police stations or, you know, anybody when it comes to first responders, when, when, when they go around knocking on doors or, or, or we're doing true social media, we want you to understand that, you know, we need you to get out because it's serious. Oh, for sure. And, and, you know, like probably the biggest mistake that happens with those plans is that we make them uh, and then we forget about them. Uh, we, we kind of got two plans here. We got our own plan that we developed I guess we started developing our plan back in 2005. That's that's, that's when we started uh, as individual communities. Yes. And we all helped each other and, and uh, did the best we could. But uh, a few years ago, we, we started a, a regional emergency plan. Yeah. And uh, the, the four towns in, on the Isthmus <clears throat> got together and uh, put together a regional plan as well. Uh, both have its purposes. Mm-hmm. The regional plan doesn't eliminate the individual plan for the community, but a lot of the information is going to be the same, so we don't have to reinvent all the wheels. Sure. So, you know, having, uh, if you're in an area where you can work with neighboring communities, because, for example, if you've got big rainfall coming, mm-hmm. and uh, one community has two loaders, but the other community only has a pickup truck with a plow on it, that's right. All of a sudden, both communities got a loader that they can utilize, right? Yeah, and and we we've done the same thing, you know, in our community here, uh, when we sat down and done our power plan, because you know our neighboring community, uh, you know, we we don't have no fence between us. We're we're that close together. You're one minute you're in our town, next minute you're in a neighboring town. So we 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 sat down together and we done up the plan together, uh, because we share the same fire services, we share the same schools, we share the same. So we we do a lot of sharing when it comes to you know services now. And why not share the plan when it comes to, you know, emergency plans, right? Yes, yeah. I think you just hit the key right there, Tony. The sharing. Yeah. 
nobody wants to give up their their identity. Yeah. Nobody wants to lose the name off of, uh, you know, I don't want to lose the name Come By Chance. I'm proud of the name, you know, Come By Chance. Yeah. I'm proud to be from Come By Chance. But does that mean that Come By Chance, Sunnyside, Arnold's Cove, and, and Southern Harbor can't share more services? Of course you can. Yeah. We think about all the pressures that are on smaller communities today. I mean, our communities are shrinking. There's yeah. absolutely no doubt about that. Our population is aging, and there is a debate over who should be uh, <clears throat> who should be responding to emergency calls. Because let's be honest, while your heart is into it, you know, should we should we make a seventy year old go out and respond to stressful situations because mm-hmm. we don't have enough people in our own little community to do so? That's right. But if we if we look at it from a regional perspective, <clears throat> we could have more active. Uh, members who can do the work we'll have more resources for each call we go on we would be able to have a better budget now maybe it, it's in totality it'll be less than the budget of the four fire mm-hmm. departments you know and i'm just using area as, a, as a, no. an example so there, there's so many benefits to regionalizing your services and that is where the future lies in rural firefighting in Newfoundland yeah. and Labrador. And, and Dwayne, that was one of my questions actually, you know, was, you know, we, we've been talking about regionalization within communities for, for years now. Uh, you know, government is finally talking about it. And we, you know, a report was just done up on regionalization of communities and municipalities through Newfoundland and Labrador. And, you know, and one of my questions to you was, you know, is that the good or bad for fire departments in, in the communities? But I think you're answering it pretty well with the other question. Yeah, and look, it's never going to be perfect. Nothing we do is going to be perfect. Of course not. I mean, you know, I've seen, I've been, you know, discussing this with other fire chiefs, what would the benefits be? But there's also things that we'll say, you know, oh, I'm not sure about this, but because we've had things a certain way for the last 30, 40, 50 years. Yes. So there are going to be some challenges. Right. And it won't work everywhere. We understand that. Uh. For example, if you know you want to uh, regionalize a fire service with your neighboring town, but your neighboring town is you know 35, 40 kilometers away, you're, you may you still have a regional fire department. But if you think you're going down to, you know, you're you're going to be able to go down to one station and bring everyone together, maybe not. Yeah, that's right. Right, and uh, but then there are other situations where you know we got you can look out of one fire hall and see the other one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what what would you say is the most overlooked uh, overlooked when it comes to fire safety in our homes, uh, doing, and, and or even in our communities? Boy, that's a tough one because there's so many news from. <laughs> uh, like you know, oh, I think our habits. Yeah. How many times have I done a fire inspection? And I see an extension cord uh, that's been plugged in. Maybe it goes out through a wall. Maybe it goes up through a ceiling. Mm. Maybe it runs under carpet. And I'll say, like, that really shouldn't be there. Well, it's been there for 25 years and nothing's happened yet. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, well, that that's great. <laughs> I've heard that one before. Nothing happened, you know. Yeah, then all of a sudden we... 
I think just our habits, uh, the way we do things, because, and I, I won't go too far into it, but an extension cord is meant to be a temporary fix for a piece of equipment that is, you know, that can be exactly. moved from place to place. Yeah. If we need, say, deep freeze running 24-7, you know, all year long, eh, you know what, maybe we should be able to justify putting in a dedicated electrical service for that, right? That's right. You know, you wouldn't you wouldn't plug your dishwasher in with an well. I hope you wouldn't plug your dishwasher in with an extension cord and leave it there, right? That's right. That's right. Now, Dwayne, before we go, what would you say is the best or greatest strength of a firefighter, Dwayne? The greatest strength of a firefighter is the reason that they're there. Even even in, like I'm a career firefighter as well, and yet the money's nice. We got to leave. We got we we have to earn money. Mm -hmm. why did i want to be a firefighter like why did i choose this yeah and for every firefighter there's there may be a you know a different uh version of the answer but volunteer firefighters paid firefighters uh paramedics it doesn't matter who works police officers in emergency services people have chosen to be there because they have a passion for it that's right they absolutely have a passion. It's what they believe in. Mm -hmm. It's what they live. And their families are the same. Yeah. You go to you go to a firefighter's home and you and if you just sat down and you were just watched this family interact, you'll realize it's not just the firefighter who's uh, giving to the fire service. The whole family in one way or another is just as dedicated to the fire service as that firefighter. And that's true. Uh, you know, when, when you say that, you look around, especially, you know, like the firefighters in my area and and, and, and every community for sure, uh, you know, you can relate that, what you just said, to everybody, to be honest with you, everybody. Yep. Yeah. I believe you can. I mean, when that pager goes off uh, at 12 o'clock in the night, you will not hear, you know, a firefighter's partner say, ah, I don't want you to go. No you know that they don't want you to go. Not yeah. because they don't want you to help, but because they may be scared for you. Yeah, yeah. But they but they make that sacrifice and they let you go. Yeah. And Dwayne, what would you say is your favorite part of, of doing the job that you do? My favorite part is working with the people that I work with. Yeah. You know, like, I, I get to talk to people from all different walks of life. Uh, I mean, I've sat in a room with the fire chiefs of the biggest cities in Canada, and I've sat in the room with fire chiefs of the smallest communities in our little province. Mm -hmm. And I don't see a big difference between them other than resources. Exactly. I see the same passion. Yeah. I see the same desire to help people. Mm -hmm. And when somebody, when somebody is willing to help and do what they can with what little they have, and they don't have the same resources... Doesn't that speak volumes of their character? They do, doesn't it? They don't give up. No. No. And your firefighters in your town, they didn't they don't give up when times get tough. That's when they pull together and they make it work. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And 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 I believe that wholeheartedly, you know, because you know, I've been on council now for thirty years and, and like you said, Dwayne, you know, I've been involved with municipalities in Flan Labrador, I've been involved with, with FCM on the national level level. And I, I've I've seen, I've sat down with, you know, mayors from other cities and other towns that's way bigger than mine, 
Uh, but at the end of the day, we got the same problems. Uh, but I handle it sometimes a little different. But you know, it's it, it's what the final result is. To be honest with you, it is. And you know, and people don't realize how much or how difficult it is to be a town councillor in your own community. Mm-hmm. I think if you were allowed to be town councillors, but not in your own community, in somebody else's community, boy, your job would be so much easier. <laughs> it would be, wouldn't it? Yeah. yeah. But, uh, yeah. And, and that's something, you know, that I recognize. I know that we will always, you know, have uh, issues that we have to work out. And sometimes, you know, we, I mean, we all fight for what we believe in. Exactly. You, know, yeah. you were never a pushover at the table. Mm-hmm. When you believed in something, you, you believed in it. Yeah. Uh, I'm no different. Uh, but as we said earlier in, in, in the podcast, certainly doesn't mean that we're enemies. No, no, it doesn't, you know, and, and, and we're there for the same reason, to be honest with you. And, and I think that's what we look at, you know, when, when we say what needs to be done for the community, what needs to be done for the residents, you know, and what needs to be done for the various first, you know, first responders. It is, it's, it's a vital role in our communities. It's a vital role in our province and our country. Uh, and making sure that, that that's acknowledged is, is important. Oh, it is. Yeah. And, you know, recognizing at the end of the day, you have your argument, you make your case, Win, lose, or draw, you should be able to look across the table and say, to you, even if you only say it to yourself, you know, mm-hmm. hey, maybe I didn't get what I wanted. Maybe I didn't even get what I needed, maybe. Yeah. And maybe that makes me a little uh, a little anxious. Yeah. But you know what? We're all here trying to help our community. Nice. Maybe, I don't, maybe I don't agree with Chief Antle's philosophy. Maybe I don't think we should look at, you know, something differently because they're volunteers. Uh I don't know, I'm just going off the top of my head here now, but you know what? I'm going to respect him, and he has to respect me, and that's the way we have to move forward. And at the end of the day, Dwayne, that's what it's all about, is respect. It is. You know, our former mayor, Keith Best, who was also a firefighter with us, uh, he said that one night. He said, like, they, they were having this big discussion about how volunteerism works in the community, why it works, and how important it is, and... That was the way he said it. it's about respect. That way. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Dwayne, before we go, would you like to say anything else or do you have anything else you would like to talk about? Uh, well, you know, I thank you so much for uh, for having me on to, uh, to chat with you. I, I look forward to doing this again. Uh, there's so many things that we can talk about, Tony, and, mm-hmm. and so many things that we need to talk about, maybe. That's right. That we should. Yeah. Anytime, Dwayne, I'm here. You can you you got my number. You can reach out to me. Uh, you know, I'm very accessible um, and and getting the word out, uh, you know, from your association and from the fire departments and and from your membership is 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 a great thing. And, and I'm here to uh, to aid in any way. Thank you so much for that, sir. And I look forward to our next chat. Right on. But you have a good evening. You too. I'll talk to you again. Take care. Okay. Bye bye. Bye.